Hello, my name is Wang Yan, and I am a reporter with News China. With our weekly News China podcast, we aim to give insight into the trends and happenings in modern China through a historical lens. Today, we discuss the way children were educated in ancient China. A widely circulated video showing a teen jump from a fifth-floor window of his junior high school after his mother slapped him in front of other students has sparked outrage and debate. People on social media are divided on who should be held most responsible: the school, the forty-year-old boy, or his family. The tragic case has also revived discussions on the influence of family life on child development in China. Tragic family of origin, a term taken from family counseling, has become a hashtag in recent years after stories of conflict between parents and children, either real or depicted in TV and film, shocked the public. These cases and online discussions are reflecting deep societal concerns over the state of education and parenting in China. Some blame traditional views on education, which prioritize academic success and give rigid authority to teachers and parents. This criticism, however, is possibly a misinterpretation of these traditional ideas about education. Twentieth-century German philosopher Karl Jaspers believed that systems of human values took shape in the ancient civilizations of what is today's Greece, India, China, and Pakistan between the eighth and second centuries BCE. Most research into Chinese values on education began with and focused on the teachings of Confucius, who lived between the fifth and sixth century BCE. Confucius was born into an aristocratic family. Before he opened his own private school to anyone, regardless of social status, education was controlled by the government and available only to children from aristocratic families. His teachings focused on the concepts of ren, benevolence, and li, protocol. These concepts were not unique to Confucius. They were qualities expected from members of the aristocracy. Those with these qualities were considered a junzi or gentleman, an ideal figure who makes his own decisions but also observes ethics. Confucius made these qualities universal values, meaning that anyone rich in knowledge, decent in behavior, and lives with dignity could be a gentleman. They were no longer exclusive to the aristocracy. In a way, Confucius had torn down barriers between the social classes. A gentleman pursues worldly success, but his fundamental pursuit is cultivating the self through values. For Confucius, this was the ideal purpose of education. Education does not exclude worldly success in life, but it does not guarantee success. Confucius once said that wealth or achievements gained in unrighteous ways are nothing but floating clouds to the gentleman. Parents today seem to have lost sight of this value. 
Many instead focus on exam scores and the career prospects for their children. Confucius also stresses the importance of individualized education. For example, one of his students once asked him whether a person should immediately do whatever they think is right. Confucius told him to first ask his father and older brothers before taking action. But when another student asked the same question, Confucius said the opposite. When challenged, Confucius explained that the first student was impulsive and needed to exercise more restraint, but the second one was slow in making decisions and needed more encouragement to take action. Today, parents talk about giving children the best education possible, but do not consider their individual needs. China has a long tradition of family education. The founder of the Zhou Dynasty in the 11th century BCE left behind instructions for his offsprings to follow. Later on, other emperors and politicians did the same. However, it was the Yan clan that passed down what is widely recognized as the first written book of instructions for family education. Its author, Yan Zhitui, was a 6th century politician and educator. At that time, the Sui dynasty had united the northern and southern dynasties in a power reshuffle that saw an imperial family once again ruling over the wealthy and powerful clans. Ever since, the significance of the family unit became more cultural than political. In his book, Yan Zhitui relates the principles of dealing with family affairs, including relations between siblings, spouses, fathers, and children, as well as his ideas on education and world views. Yan advises that to be scholarly and righteous, you must learn from virtuous and intelligent people. The Yan family later produced many famous scholars and politicians, giving the book vaulted status in China's history of family education. During the 10th and 12th centuries, the Northern Song Dynasty was culturally and economically prosperous. The period would produce thinkers and authors who would have a lasting influence on Chinese culture. Among them was Assis Su Xun and his two sons. The Su family has long been lauded as a successful example of family education. Zhu Xi, an important Confucius scholar and educator, wrote a book of rites that must be performed during major family events, such as weddings and coming-of-age ceremonies. The work's influence reached Japan and Korea. These family values became the social norm during the Ming and Qing dynasties. The rule of young students was a must-read for early education of boys, as girls were not encouraged to receive education. It teaches them how to manage their family lives and other relationships. Values such as respect for elders, integrity, and diligence are highlighted. Even today, some parents teach the rule of young students to their children. Private schools also included in their curriculum on traditional Chinese culture. Usually, children are made to recite the rules from memory. Family education has not only become a part of Chinese culture, but also has been integrated into the educational system. 
In ancient China, parents were the heads of the family, particularly fathers. Children were obligated to be filial. However, fathers could not boss about their children or impose corporal punishment as they pleased. Instead, they were expected to be role models and set good examples through self-discipline and morality. They were expected to treat their sons with kindness and affection. Otherwise, according to the Yan Clan's book, their sons would be disobedient. Looking back, values were central to schooling and family education in ancient China. Cultivating men to become gentlemen of integrity and kindness was a central pursuit of this value system. Educators, from tutors to parents, were expected to set good examples and take the individual personalities of children into consideration. It seems that these recent tragedies resulted from people losing control of their emotions and behavior, not traditional ideas about education. Indeed, there would be fewer such tragedies if the Chinese education traditions were properly understood and followed. That is end of our podcast this week. Thank you to our writer Dr. Zhang Yue, editor and translator Li Jia, and copy editor JT. We hope you enjoyed it, and thank you for listening. See you next week.